Welcome into another edition of Running the Point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. We're changing the narrative in the sports talk industry. We are what sports talk should be, bold. We thank you for joining us once again on Facebook on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports' pages, or if you're listening to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. If you are, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a nice little review there. Give us those five stars. It helps us move up in those rankings. Support the show that way. We're going to get started today hopping on the Tank Bigsby hype train. Choo-choo, all aboard. Make way for the Tank Train. Tank Bigsby may very well be, and it is my contention, that he is the best Auburn freshman running back since at least Michael Dyer in 2010. Like, for sure. That is a given. He's the best Auburn freshman running back since 2010 with Michael Dyer, but it is my contention that he is the best freshman running back at Auburn in this millennia. That's right, millennia, since 2000. How does he compare to the other notable Auburn backs? First, we'll throw up the Tank Bigsby stats right here on the year right now through his first three games at Auburn. 34 carries, 192 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, 11 receptions, 84 yards. I love what I'm seeing from Tank Bigsby this year so far. He's a versatile running back. If I had a comparison for him, I would say Alvin Kamara. Now, I've gotten some pushback on that a little bit, but if you really watch the two running backs, they have similar running styles. They're both kind of upright runners. They're agile, quick, balanced. They don't blow you out out with great speed, but they've got a great burst, and they know how to pick their way through a defense. They both run hard as well, and not only that, they're versatile. They've got other ways that they can hurt you. Alvin Kamara was very effective in the passing game at Tennessee, and he still is to this day with the New Orleans Saints in the NFL. I think that's the kind of upside you look at with Tank Bigsby right now with all of the things he does so well. You just hope he stays healthy with how Gus Malzahn is using him and with the usage rate right now, a freshman. And he is a little bit on the small side, and he'll put on some more weight, and he'll fill out a little bit more in his time at Auburn but when you look at him right now he's getting touches on offense and on special teams and it's not just on offense in the rushing attack it's also in the passing attack against Georgia he was the leading receiver this guy's getting a ton of touches in these ball games so you hope he doesn't get ran into the ground and you hope that he can keep it up with the volume he's a high volume guy right now and you hope that with Tank Bigsby that that doesn't come back to bite you because right now as far as depth is concerned at running back you don't have anybody else as good or that could fulfill the role that he is at the one spot at Auburn, but we're getting sidetracked a little bit. Let's look at some of the other premier names of Auburn freshman running back seasons, and I have to qualify this for you. Freshman running back seasons. See, Kerryon Johnson's going to be towards the bottom of this list. Trey Mason's at the bottom of this list for freshman running back seasons because they really didn't get used a whole lot when they were freshmen. If we're talking about guys when they were freshmen making an immediate impact, Tank Bigsby, in my opinion, is at the top of this list, and he will finish this year, barring injury, having the most successful freshman running back season since at least 2000. A guy that I've already compared him to, Michael Dyer, in 2010, and you look at this list that we're throwing up here for you, and, the, and these are the order in which I have ranked these seasons. Michael Dyer at one, Carnell Williams at two, 
Ontario McCaleb at three, Ben Tate at four, and then Ronnie Brown, Carrion Johnson, and Trey Mason are all negligible. I just threw them in there because they are hallmark running backs here for Auburn in the past 20 years. Ronnie Brown had a great career at Auburn, but as a freshman, virtually non-existent. Same as Carrion Johnson and Trey Mason. So let's focus on the four guys at the top, and we'll first compare him to... Ben Tate and Ontario McCaleb, those three and four guys, and why I think Bigsby belongs in that top tier with Carnell Williams and Michael Dyer. Yes, if you look at those guys when they were freshmen, they had similar hot starts or better hot starts than Tank Bigsby had through their first two or three games. And when you look at all these stats that I put on the board, I tried to keep them in the same carries range as Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby right now in the year, as I've already mentioned, he's got 34 carries on the season. Those 34 carries, we tried to compare those to what the other guys did and, and through their first 34 or 40 carries, somewhere in that range. And with Ben Tate and Ontario McCaleb, they were almost at the exact same amount at 37 for Ben Tate, 38 for Ontario McCaleb. Both of them had nearly the same amount of yards. They had explosive starts to their careers, 271 yards for Ben Tate, 262 for Ontario McCaleb. Over, almost both of them were almost over seven yards a carry. McCaleb was at 6.9, and both of them had a few touchdowns to start off the career. They had hot starts and although they did have hot starts they petered out by the end of the year McCaleb didn't keep the same pace Ben Tate didn't either their usage rates went down Ben Tate didn't even have a full season as a freshman toting the rock Ontario McCaleb did but still only finished with 565 yards on the ground and four touchdowns despite starting the year with 262 see Tank Bigsby right now already almost at 200 yards on the year he's played three games and we're seeing his usage rate increase he barely got any touches in the Kentucky game he gets even more in the Georgia game and then he has a ton this past week against Arkansas and that is not going to change Tank Bigsby may be the most important element in this offense other than Bo Nix with the amount that they have him involved in the Auburn offense we know this offense is still run first having a great running back I forgot what it felt like to have a great running back in the backfield for Auburn and it's only been a couple of years since they have carry on Johnson is the last good running back at Auburn I don't think Jatarvius Whitlow was that good for Auburn and I forgot what it felt like I forgot how much of an advantage it was to have this good of a running back out of the backfield and how much he can do for you. And we can already see the offense beginning to become transformed with the ability to run the football and also catch out of the backfield. It's, it's allowing this offense to have an added dimension to it that I don't think we've seen. And, and finally, Auburn's got a running back that's running the ball hard and has the ability to break tackles and create his own space. I expect his usage rate to increase. So I'm expecting him to have a better freshman year than Ben Tate and Ontario McCaleb. And now he's moving into an elite category here. And I've seen Bigsby compared a lot recently to Carnell Williams. And I agree with it. I, I wholeheartedly agree. If we're having to compare him to another Auburn running back, I think that's probably the best comparison that we can find is Carnell Williams early on in his career. Bigsby's had a better start to his career, though, than Carnell did. And if you just look at the stats on the screen, 39 carries for Carnell only resulted in 153 yards. 3.9 yards per carry is nothing to write home about, a couple of touchdowns. But what is such a great comparison about Carnell Williams and Tank Bigsby and why you can see a similar type of upside for Tank Bigsby as his career goes on and what, and what kind of trajectory you can see for Tank Bigsby as an Auburn Tiger and why they might very well be kind of the same running back, but 20 years later, 
is Carnell Williams' ability to catch the football out of the backfield and make things happen. He was more of an agile running back, more of a scat back than Ronnie Brown was. I'm not calling Carnell Williams a scat back, but he definitely was more of the speedster, wasn't as hard-hitting as Ronnie Brown would as Ronnie Brown was. We know the difference between those two running backs. Carnell finished with 614 yards, six touchdowns, 13 receptions, 140 yards. We've got his five-game mark. It took him five games to reach a similar amount of carries as Tank Bigsby, which he has done in three games. You look at the production for Bigsby, he has had a hotter start than Carnell Williams. So now to compare him to Michael Dyer. And Michael Dyer is the most comparable in production through the first three games. He had five more carries through three games than Tank Bigsby did. If you give Tank Bigsby five more carries at his season average of 5.6 yards per carry, he has more yards through three games than Michael Dyer by eight yards. He would have 220 yards. Michael Dyer had 212. He's much more of a receiving threat than Dyer. Dyer only had one catch that year for nine yards. Think about Dyer is he became that number one back that year for Auburn and finished with over 1,000 yards. This year in a 12-game season, or this year it's a 10-game season, but if it was a 12-game season, without a doubt, I'm taking the bet that Tank Bigsby finishes with more yards in his freshman year than Michael Dyer. But this is a 10-game season, 11 games if you make a bowl game, 12 if you make it to the SEC championship but somehow miss the college football playoff. You You have the ability to play, what, is it 13 or 14 games overall this year? Max, if Auburn were to make it that far, and Auburn's not going to make it that far, I don't think. At least not looking at him right now. So you're looking at an 11-game season for Tank Bigsby, and he really wasn't used a whole lot in the first game. And his usage rate increased dramatically in the second and third games. And I think it's what you saw in the Arkansas game is going to be about the benchmark for him every game. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less from here out, depending on the flow of the game and whatnot. If it was a 12-game season, Tank Bigsby finishes with more than 1,093 yards, five touchdowns, one reception, nine yards. Tank Bigsby is the focal point of this offense moving forward. I think it's already been shown. They did it against Arkansas. They had to ride him to victory in that ballgame. Tank Bigsby is more versatile than Michael Dyer was. Tank Bigsby can catch the ball in the backfield, offers you more in the passing game. Auburn's getting him a lot more touches per game than it felt like with Michael Dyer. Bigsby's also returning kicks. Dyer wasn't as big of a focal point in the special teams game as well. Everybody wanted to talk about Tank Bigsby after this Saturday. If you weren't talking about you know being off the Gus bus and bringing your pitchforks and torches for a second week in a row, if you weren't so enraged by what you saw on Saturday, and I hope the rain put out your torch, I'm not ready to get off this bus yet still. But I'm not ready to give up on this team. And a big part of it does have to do with what Tank Bigsby has to offer. But a lot of people wanted to talk about Tank Bigsby, and I love the comparisons and whatnot, but I wanted to take a step further. And once again, throwing up that graphic of all of those running backs, I wanted to do research on how he compared to other freshman running backs at Auburn. And there's some illustrious names on this list. Like I said, Michael Dyer, Carnell Williams, Ontario McKayla, Ben Tate, Ronnie Brown, Kerryon Johnson, Trey Mason, all of these guys regarded as solid running backs at Auburn. Some of them greats that will be remembered for quite some time that I'll be telling people about, that I'll be telling my kids about 20 years from now, that people will be talking about for years to come. People will be talking about Trey Mason for the next 20 years when you talk about those 2013 Auburn Tigers. People will be talking about Carnell Williams and Ronnie Brown in that backfield 
for all of Auburn history. There are some big names in here. Michael Dyer's play in the 2010 National Championship season will live on in infamy in Oregon Ducks history, but as a famous run in Auburn history, and Auburn fans will say Mike Dyer was not down. Oregon fans still want to complain about him, but he was not down. And when you look at Tank Bigsby, I think his name, after he's done at Auburn, and I don't think this is an overreaction through three games, barring injury, I have to put a huge, huge disclaimer there when you're talking about Auburn running backs because a a number of these guys at some point in their career dealt with injuries. Ben Tate in the NFL dealt with injuries. Kerryon Johnson seems like, and I believe he has dealt with an injury every single year since his freshman year at Auburn. Trey Mason bombed out of the NFL. Ontario McCaleb didn't do anything in the NFL. Carnell Williams got hurt relatively quickly in his NFL career. Michael Dyer didn't finish his career at Auburn. Very few of these guys were long-term, and I'm qualified long-term, but also into the NFL. If you want to qualify, it's still down in their Auburn careers. A lot of these guys had great Auburn careers. I already mentioned that, but some of them dealt with injuries even while they were at Auburn. So I have to disclaim, barring injury, Tank Bigsby finishes as an Auburn great out of this backfield. If he's this good as a freshman, if he's running this hard as a freshman, imagine what this guy's going to develop into if he's showing this much talent already. One thing that's impressive to me is I haven't seen him fumble yet. Unless I'm forgetting something, but I haven't seen him fumble yet. That's huge. I'm seeing veteran-like patience from the back. I'm seeing him find holes and and utilize vision that freshman running backs just don't possess. He's well beyond his years in that backfield, so it makes you wonder, what is this guy going to develop into? I'm curious as to what he develops into this year. I can't put a ceiling on this guy's potential, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself and overreact, but just comparing him to some of these other backs, and statistically it's not always great to compare guys stat for stat because there are different things different factors that affect statistics like usage rate, offense, philosophy fit for a lot of these guys. It's not always great to compare guys just based off stats, but I still think based off of what he has done at the beginning of his career and how he could finish this freshman year, this guy is going to be special. And the only thing that could stop Tank Bigsby, you know, is it it feels like his injuries. We're going to remember Bigsby's freshman year at least as the best year that Auburn has seen from a freshman since 2000. He's going to surpass Michael Dyer. Like I said, I see a lot of Alvin Kamara in this guy and how he translates to the NFL, and it's crazy that I'm already talking about this guy three games into his career and how he translates to the NFL. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I definitely see NFL-like transition for a guy like Tank Bigsby. If he can get an offensive line blocking for him, we're going to be talking about Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby for a long time. This could be a match made in heaven they just got to get some of the other cogs working. Versatile usage, agile, balanced, quick, speedy. If you think Arkansas was Bigsby's coming out party, you got another thing coming for you this weekend against South Carolina because I think his usage increases even more this weekend, and I think it's going to increase up to a certain mark, maybe only a little bit more touches per game on a game-to-game basis. Big weekend I'm expecting for Bigsby. It's going to be a Bigsby weekend. Look out. The tank's coming. We got more of Running the Point coming up here on On the Line. We're going to talk about Alabama's championship problems. Everybody's mad at Pete Golding right now. I'm just kind of tired about it. Alabama fans, 
problems are different than everybody else's problems. Some teams are just trying to make rent. Bama, yeah, th- these guys don't have it tough. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break here on Running the Point. Running the point on Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner here with you. Or if you're listening, like I said, on the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Hey, people talk to me and ask me, how can I support what you're doing? How can I support the show? You want to know how you can support the show? If you're watching on Facebook right now, share it. Click the share button. Likes are awesome. We really do appreciate likes and the engagement and comments. What we'd love for you to do is hit that share button because it shares it to your friends. And we want to grow the show and, and help other people be able to find this content. If you like what you're watching, hey, maybe your friends will like it too, so share it to them. And if you're listening to the audio podcast as well, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review, five stars. Tell us how much you love us. That'll help us move up and help us get exposed to more people. That's exactly how you can help us out and grow and running the point. But let's get started again. Another new segment right here championship problems problems for the Alabama Crimson Tide Alabama fans have their pitchforks and torches as well but not for their head coach for their defensive coordinator they are irate with Pete Golding it's hilarious because Alabama fans problems are different than that of the average fan I would only say that Alabama fan problems I would even yeah you know what I'll go out there and say I think Alabama fans problems are different than any other team in college football other than maybe Ohio State I don't even think Clemson fans problems fit into this category because I do think that Clemson if they've got some issues you know could have some negative things happen to them in, in college football I think there are some teams that could past them this year in the ACC, like a North Carolina or Notre Dame. But that's a conversation for another day. But Alabama fans' problems, different than anybody else in college football. It's different. I've been talking to some Alabama fans after the Ole Miss game, and it's like the world has come to an end. Fire Pete Golding this. Oh, my gosh, our defense is terrible. We're not winning a national championship this year. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. I know you didn't make the playoff last year, and that's that's one thing. And a lot of Alabama fans did want to blame it on that defense last year. You can also blame it on Mac Jones' two pick sixes. That's also possible. You could do that. An Alabama fan complaining is akin to a spoiled kid complaining they got a BMW for their 16th birthday instead of a Mercedes. That is that is 100% what it's like. You look across the other the other teams in the SEC. Mississippi State's over here just trying to make rent this month. Nobody feels bad for you. Nobody. So you're struggling on defense right now. It's game three, man. It's game three. Lane train is rolling. Choo-choo. Stay out of the way of a moving train. For real. I expected Ole Miss to score some points. Part of that is because this Alabama defense is devolving. It does not look as good as traditional Nick Saban defenses have in the Alabama dynasty under Nick Saban. But there's a reason for that. And it's not recruiting. The recruiting's there, and it's not all the way the defensive coordinator's fought. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's terrible either. But this offense is scoring at a fast clip. A fast clip. That defense is on the field a lot. I understand them getting cut up a little bit. 
But look, you gave up a lot of points to Ole Miss, but look at what Texas A&M just did to Florida this past weekend, their defense. And you held Texas A&M to truly 17 offensive points, take the pick six off the board. That's how you get to 17. They held them to 24 points. That's a solid day. That's a solid day. If A&M scores how Ole Miss scored, A&M probably wins that football game. Alabama fans, once again, just different problems. No one feels bad. No one feels bad. Oh, my goodness. You guys might not win the national championship this year. Alabama's issues may keep them from winning the playoff, but it's not going to keep them out of it. Anyone else's issues in the SEC can produce a five- or six-loss season. Auburn fans right now, for sure, are like, goodness gracious, what are we going to do? Having flashbacks to 2012 last week. Issues across the SEC and other teams can get a coach fired. Garrett Mason isn't playing football this week against Missouri. This guy's 0-3. Can't lose if you don't play. Can't lose if you don't play. It's crazy to me, though. Rarely ever does Auburn and Alabama, at least in this time period since Nick Saban's been the head coach, rarely ever has Auburn and Alabama both been you know, on a mission to get somebody canned at the same time. I don't remember the last time that's been that that has happened. Uh, not common, not common because they both have had success at the other's expense. It seems with a win this Saturday, the Alabama Crimson Tide though will pacify the unrest. I'm not saying they're going to win the SEC because I'm not writing anyone off in this weird, crazy year. Um, anything could happen. Teams are going to struggle with depth. You never know how COVID's going to affect a football team. You know, you hope it doesn't, but you just never know how this college football year this year is going to unfold. So I'm not ready to say without a shadow of a doubt that Alabama's just going to win the SEC this year. It certainly feels like that this is round one of what could be three this year. Out of any year, I could see two SEC teams making the college football playoff this year because the Pac-12 shouldn't be allowed in. They should not be allowed in to the college football playoff with how few games they're playing. Big Ten's going to get one in with Ohio State. Clemson, I think, is going to get in from the ACC. And then the Big 12's a cesspool. Oklahoma State's still running for their life. Keep going, pokes. Keep going. Flee the giant green rage monster that is the Big 12 mediocrity. Good luck. But nonetheless, they're going to be in a tier of their own this league. Alabama will if they win on Saturday. And it does feel like this could be round one. I'm still not counting Florida out. I think Florida's got a great offense. That could be enough to get them over the hump. This is the best Florida offense we've seen under Dan Mullen and under Jim McElwain in quite some time. Since since Urban Meyer, this seems to be the best offense. they got a quarterback that's capable of winning a Heisman. Kyle Trask looks great. I know they lost A&M. It was a shootout. It probably doesn't favor Florida against Alabama because Alabama should be able to outscore them. But this Florida team's still pretty good, so I don't. I, I'm not – Foregone conclusion, once again, with exactly with Alabama, not ready to say they're going to win the SEC. I'm not 100% certain that Georgia's going to win the SEC East, but the way that they handled Tennessee this past weekend, certainly impressive. Nick Saban, 21-0 against former assistants. What's going to be different this year against Georgia? Nothing. Nothing's going to be different. Alabama's won the last five meetings against Georgia. Saban has won the last two against Kirby Smart. Kirby did keep it closer against Saban than Rick was able to do. Both of them won score. One of them was the three-point game in the national championship two years ago. And then there is also uh, the SEC championship from a couple years ago as well when Jalen Hurts came back and stormed back and ripped the hearts out of Georgia fans everywhere. Well, I guess Tua did it to him the first time, and then Jalen Hurts did it to him the second time. 
Rick was Rick wasn't able to at the end of his career wasn't able to keep it close against Saban. Kirby Smart's at least kept it close. That defense has somewhat been an equalizer, but what has constantly held them back, there are fundamental issues with Georgia's team that prevents them from beating this Alabama squad, and they have not done anything to address it. If if anything, Georgia has regressed. It centers around offensive firepower. Alabama is averaging 8.7 yards per play. Alabama is almost averaging a first down per play. What? Georgia... 5.3 5.3 yards per play is what they're doing this year, which isn't bad. That's not that's not bad at all. Two plays, you're out of first down. But that that's the thing. Two plays, it takes Georgia to get a first down. Alabama's like, eh, we're going to pick it up most of the time on the first play. This is an incredible matchup of styles. This is, this is the best Georgia defense we have seen under Kirby Smart. It definitely probably the best Georgia defense we've seen in the last 20 years. This is without a doubt. I knew going in a couple weeks ago, I said, it might be setting the bar so high that Georgia can't match it. They're matching it. This is pretty darn good. This is pretty darn good. I would argue, though, this is the best offense we've ever seen under Nick Saban. That's nothing against Tua Tungvaloa. Tua Tungvaloa was the best quarterback that Alabama's seen in the last 20 years, maybe ever. Maybe ever the best quarterback to walk through the doors at the University of Alabama. But this offense somehow became more explosive. Somehow. I don't know how. They lost two first-round wide receivers. I don't know how this offense got more explosive. I think the running game is even better than it has been. I think Najee Harris looks like a Heisman quality running back. I don't think he's going to sniff the award this year because it's a quarterback award, and there's some quarterbacks slinging it right now. But Najee Harris looks like a Heisman quality running back. Talk about versatility when we were talking about Tank Bigsby in the last segment. Najee Harris is as versatile as they come. I feel like I see him hurdle a defensive back every single game. I just don't know how George is going to keep up on the scoreboard when they haven't taken any, haven't taken any strides to try and fix things on offense. If anything, it feels like they've regressed. Is Stetson Bennett better than Jake Fromm? I don't know. Because I don't think Georgia's really played a great defense yet on their schedule. I don't think there's a defense in college football that can stop the Alabama offense dead in the water. The most elite defenses can only hope to contain Alabama. There are, simply put, too many weapons on this Alabama offense. Best offensive line I think Nick Saban's had since really early on in his time, if not the best offensive line that Nick Saban has had. And you might be thinking this is hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. This offense can drop 50 on anyone, anyone, any defense. The best defenses in the country can only hope to contain, not stop. Somebody will break through. If it's not Najee Harris, it's going to be Devontae Smith. If it's not Devontae Smith, it's Jalen Waddell. If it's not Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith, well, look, John Mechie's looking pretty good, and Mac Jones can spread the butter wherever he wants it. He's got a full cast and crew running this ship. The elite defenses must bring an offense to try and keep up, and I don't think Georgia's offense is capable of keeping up. They couldn't keep up in the last two meetings when they had to go against Jalen Hurts. Nothing against Jalen Hurts. Pretty good quarterback. But look, the guy just didn't have it throwing the football. He didn't. It was a running threat primarily. He just didn't have it when he played against good defense throwing the ball. They even were able to bounce Jalen Hurts out of the first meeting 
QN to a tongue of Aloha in his first real meaningful game of football, beats him. Second and 26. That's second and 26. Offense couldn't keep up. Georgia, on the other hand, they're starting a fourth stringer at quarterback. And Stetson Bennett has looked good. And he performed really well on Saturday. I thought that in his first game where there was going to be real pressure, and there was pressure in that locker room at halftime for Georgia. They're down by two points at halftime. I'm I'm expecting Tennessee to win the ballgame last week. They're up by two. I picked them to win. I was wrong. He came back, roared them back. But look, this Georgia team does not have the same weapons that they had when Jake Fromm was there. They don't have the same running backs. Wide receivers are, are about the same. This offensive line is largely new, still trying to gel and come together. Alabama's offense has improved. Georgia's has a fourth stringer at quarterback that I don't think is ready for this moment. I, I cannot pick a fourth stringer to beat Alabama with all of those weapons on offense. Nothing's changed positive for Georgia to be able to overcome this history of losing Alabama in the last five meetings. I, I, don't, I don't think it's changed. Alabama has continued to evolve. Georgia has stayed the same or regressed, and it's going to cost them again. Round one to the Crimson Tide, I'm thinking, on Saturday. But we've got picks coming up on the other side of this break. We've got exposed pick of the week. Who am I putting on the block this week? I got exposed. So we'll talk about that. We'll roll that back up. We'll show you how I'm doing on the year two and one in exposed picks. We've got the rest of the slate on college football coming up here on Running the Point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. fun show today on running the point just talking off the off the air with our producer terry and um i'm glad that, that she can take some fun in it she's an alabama supporter i'm glad she can take some 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 fun and what i was talking about with alabama in the last segment i mean seriously alabama fans problems really are different than everyone else's in the sec alabama's like we won but only by 14 you know 48 points scored 63 but it's just no not good enough. Auburn fans are like, I'm worried about my defense. I'm worried about my offense. Is my quarterback going to throw to the right team? Um, are we going to be able to run the ball this week? How's recruiting? Man, I can't wait till basketball season. Um, I, a lot of guys wouldn't mind changing our coach. I mean, I, I, I just don't know what's going to happen this week. We're only three-point favorites against South Carolina. I mean, what? I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. And Alabama fans are like, we won. But, like, it was close. I mean, seriously, that was the vibe I was getting on Twitter. People were like, this isn't fun, joyless murder ball. It's like, this isn't the same. We got picks coming for you here this way. Exposed pick of the week. Two and one am I on the year. I was exposed last week. Put me behind bars. Let's roll the clip. Tennessee is better equipped to protect Garantano and establish a run against Georgia than Auburn was. I think I think you get the matchup that you wanted in the Auburn-Georgia game on Saturday in the Tennessee-Georgia game. And Tennessee always seems to play Georgia pretty tough. Tennessee's been good against the run, holding opponents to 107.5 rushing yards per game. For the first time this year, the pressure is going to be on Stetson Bennett to make plays to help Georgia win. 
And I think Tennessee's defense through two games actually looks a little bit better than Auburn's does. I'm ready to get hurt again. Rocky top. They're going to beat Georgia. That is my expose pick of the week. Got me. They got me. I was ready to get hurt again when I picked UT. I really was. And up by two at the half. And then Tennessee's like, yeah, we don't need to score any more points. It'll be fine. And then Georgia rolls them in the second half. 23-21 was the score at halftime, I think. And then Georgia just rolls back. Doesn't allow Tennessee to score another point in that second half. Here we go. Exposed pick of the week. Boston College at number 23, Virginia Tech. Hokies favored by 11 points. 7 p.m. ACC Network. And I'm going to be honest with you, I looked through the slate. Once again, how exposed pick of the week works is we're going to look through, we're going to find an underdog, and we're going to choose that underdog to win outright. But I'm going to add a caveat to it. I'm going to be honest with you. I looked through the slate this week. There are no underdogs. So I'm like, yeah, that team, they're going to win this week. So we're going to add a new element to it. We'll pick the line as well. We'll still pick an underdog to cover throughout the week. We'll open that up. Still, we're going to be picking teams to win outright. But this week, I'm going to get Boston College losing to Virginia Tech. But I do think they cover. I'll take the Eagles and the points in our exposed pick of the week. Virginia Tech at 23. And I think this Hokie team's still pretty good. But I don't think that they're in that same tier, even with Miami and North Carolina and Notre Dame. I don't, I don't think they're quite there. I think they're somewhere still in the middle of the pack. These two teams have a common opponent in North Carolina. Boston College lost to UNC by four points. Virginia Tech lost last week by 11. They put up a lot of points on what I think is a decent North Carolina defense, so that was impressive. But this Boston College team, they've got a gritty defense. I don't think it's been challenged by an offense of the caliber of Virginia Tech just yet. They're averaging 42.7 points per game. For that reason, I do believe Boston College loses this game, but nonetheless, the hallmark of Boston College, what it's felt like, these guys have been tested by the snows of Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. These guys play hard-nosed defense. They're gritty. That's the hallmark of Boston College football. Offense, on the other hand, that's out the window. You're getting a solid 25 from this team every night. But I don't think they're going to lose by more than 11 because of that defense. They've hung with every team they've played this year, even in the losses. Give me the Eagles and the points in this one. That's my exposed big of the week. We'll see if I'm happy face or sad face. And so we're moving on. Next pit, Pittsburgh at number 13, Miami. Ten-and-a-half-point favorites are the Hurricanes, 11 a.m. ACC Network. Miami's going to win this one. Uh, the Miami offense, they did lay an egg against Clemson. I told you uh, the BYOG bring your own guts crew in Clemson. They get up for those games, and they did. They played their best game of the season against a great team to remind everybody that, hey, little old Clemson, they're still the best team in the country. Miami's offense, only 210 yards, almost at 110. It felt like it with the way Derrick King played. 210 yards in that game against Clemson. Speaking of Derrick King, he had a bad day, only going 12 for 28 with two interceptions. For all those people out there that for some reason thought it was a good idea that maybe Rhett Lashley could or Rhett Lashley could be the next head coach at Auburn, just you guys can, you know, Homer Simpson style on that meme, go back into your bush, okay, because um, I think people's expectations and the reality of Miami is that, yes, they are a good team, but they are not amongst the championship caliber teams in the ACC, which I think is reserved for – Two teams for certain, which is Clemson and Notre Dame. North Carolina's right there teetering on the edge. Um, Pittsburgh, though, they're on a slide right now. They've lost two straight by giving up more than 30 points to two less than impressive offenses in Boston College and NC State. Miami, I think, wins this one without concern. 
Number 15, Auburn at South Carolina. Three-point favorites are the Tigers after a sloppy weekend last week, 11 a.m. ESPN in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm not ready to give up on this Auburn football team just yet. There is just too much talent on this roster. As discussed earlier, Tank Bigsby, I think, is going to have a big day. I think you would continue to see him flourish in this offense. This line doesn't shock me. People tend to overreact. Uh, then again, Vegas can sometimes be scary close when you're talking about some of these spreads. But I think Auburn wins this game in, with flying colors. I see a lot of shades of 2017 with this Auburn team, and I talked about that on last week's show with running the point. Auburn in 2017 against Clemson gave up 13 sacks in game two. Relatively new offensive line. It was an entirely new offensive line. We're still trying to gel. Things went horribly. People were super afraid of what was going to happen to Auburn that year. Next week, they play a sloppy game against Mercer. Only went 24-10. to 10. Look, Arkansas is a better team than Mercer is. It makes sense that Auburn could still be struggling in game three with some of the things, that a lot of moving parts. Offensive line still had some guys move in and out, move around. There's a lot of moving parts with this team. New OC this year, new system, or, or not a completely new system, but there are definitely new wrinkles to the system. It completely makes sense. But what's more concerning about this Auburn team this year, and we'll move on to the next pick in just a second, what's more concerning about this Auburn team this year is the defense. In 2017, Auburn's defense was raw. This defense... Seems kind of soft. This week, if I think all right now, I don't know how I'm going to pick the Ole Miss game. I got to see if Auburn improves against South Carolina. If improvement does not happen soon, Auburn will crumble. Auburn is at a crucial, vital juncture in their 2020 season improve or crumble. Auburn, though, I'm going to take them against South Carolina. Not off the Gus bus yet. Kentucky at number 18, Tennessee. Six-point favorites are the balls. 11 a.m. SEC Network. Tennessee, it goes Georgia slash Florida, Tennessee, everybody else in the SEC East. Whereas in the SEC West, I think it's Alabama, who somehow thinks they have problems. And then Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and then everybody else. They gain them and Ole Miss. I actually really do like this Ole Miss team, and we'll get to them later. Tennessee, on the other hand, this week against Kentucky, I think there is a pretty sizable gap between them and Tennessee right now. I love that Tennessee offensive line. It's loaded with talent. At least three five-stars on it. I say at least three because there's a borderline four-slash-five-star that could make that fourth five-star for Tennessee on the O-line. If At least, though, you've got two other four-stars on that line with, with the three five-stars. It is a loaded offensive line. We know they can run the ball. Uh, this this team, I think, is going to move the ball well. They're going to bounce back against Kentucky. Garantano, if he can avoid mistakes, Tennessee's going to win ball games this year just because of that offensive line, and they got a pretty good defense. So I like Tennessee to win this one. Um, for one half against Georgia, Tennessee looked like they were capable of winning the East. I have yet to see a half where I've even looked at Kentucky that way. So, I like Tennessee in this one. Ole Miss at Arkansas, 2.30 p.m. ESPN2. And color me shocked that the Rebels are only three-point favorites. And I guess looking at Ole Miss's schedule this year with the way that they've played, they haven't won a game yet where they won by more than a point. So, I, I understand they're on the road against Arkansas. You typically give three points to the home team, so maybe you're saying six-point favor here for Ole Miss. But 2.30 p.m. ESPN2, I like Ole Miss in this one. That offense can score, and they are fun to watch. And, yes, I've caught some criticism with some of the positive things I've said about Ole Miss on Twitter. Twitter, people, you know, bringing up how their defense isn't good, and it takes a, a it takes you having a complete team to be a good football team. I still think you can be a good football team with just a good offense. I've seen plenty of Auburn teams that way. Looking at this Ole Miss squad, 
The question in this game centers around Arkansas's ability to keep up with Ole Miss, and I just don't think they have the hogs. You look at the passing game for them, it's rather inconsistent, and they're having to rely heavily on it. They couldn't run the ball against Auburn very well. They're only averaging 86.3 yards per game on the ground. When you're having to rely on Felipe Franks, you're going to get inconsistency. Sometimes he's going to hit his mark. Sometimes he's just not entirely locked in. So I like Ole Miss in this one because right now that offense, they're on autopilot. They're not even having to think about it. They're going to cut through any and everybody that they play against this year. And uh, good thing for them, I, I, I don't think they have to play against Georgia. I might, some people might need to fact check me this year, but I don't think they're playing too many good defenses left on their schedule. Chugging along in the SEC, two more games right here for you. Number 11, number 11 Texas A&M, six-and-a-half-point favorites over Mississippi State, 3 p.m. SEC Network. I like the Aggies. This was, this was the easiest pick for me. Air Raid ran out of jet jet fuel and quickly. They used it all in that first week. And I thought it was some big thing to say that Mississippi State was going to beat LSU, and now look at LSU. So LSU is even worse than I thought they were going to be. There are so many teams in the SEC, though, right now. I was shocked when I was doing research. There are so many teams in the SEC giving up more points than they're scoring. Auburn and A&M are both in that category right now, and they both have winning records. Once again, there are, there are a decent amount of teams right now in the SEC giving up more points than they're scoring. I'm pretty sure Ole Miss is in that category as well. Surprising, A&M's one of them, and I know it has to do with the Alabama game and how many points they gave up, but this Air Raid team, Mississippi State, like I said, Air Raid, they're out of jet fuel. AM's offense picking up steam. They look like they're gaining a lot of confidence after beating Florida. This was the easiest pick for me to for me to make all weekend. I like AM to beat Mississippi State. Mike Leach, man. I don't know how that that honeymoon ended rather quickly. He was asking people to get on his bandwagon after week one. And now uh now look at him. And this is the game that everybody wants to talk about. Number three, Georgia at number two, Alabama, 7 p.m. CBS, Crimson Tide. Six-point favorites at home. Don't be tricked that this Alabama defense is enough of a reason for them to miss the playoffs for a second straight year. Even the best defenses can't contain this Alabama offense, can't keep this Alabama offense off the scoreboard. You can only hope. You can only hope to contain, and even the best defenses are going to struggle to do that. Georgia has not changed. Do not be conned into picking the Bulldogs. They are still probably the best team of the East, barring if Florida can find a way to fix their defense rather quickly. But they have done nothing to surpass Alabama. Nothing. If anything, they have regressed. I don't think quarterback plays as good as it was with Jake Fromm. Yes, Bennett looks good right now, but I still don't think I can bring myself to pick a fourth stringer to beat Alabama. I just don't think Nick Saban will allow himself to be beat by that. And look, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know that Alabama is going to be all over Pete Golding this week? Nick Saban's going to be all over Pete Golding this week. Like, things are going to get in line this week. This is not going to be a 48-point problem that's going to persist. Things are going to get in order. Because Nick Saban rules with an iron fist. And that iron fist comes down hard on Georgia this week and Bryant Denny. Stetson Bennett, he's a good story, but this good story, and ain't going to end well. It's not good enough to beat Alabama. I like the Crimson Tide to win, and I think they cover. I think they cover. I wouldn't be shocked if it was two touchdowns. That does it for another edition of Running the Point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. Noah Gardner with you this week. Be back with you next week. Same time, same place. You know where to find us. God bless everybody. <laughs> <laughs>